and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about how to control the universe so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And this week we've read The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Uh, joining us to talk about The Secret will be writer-slash-activist Keen. Welcome, Keen. Hi, Renata. Hi, Kate. I'm super glad Keen could join us for this podcast because um, he is the person who actually first told me about The Secret. Um, we we met um, when we were both in the Peace Corps and like really quick, quickly, we discovered we both really like to watch bad movies. And we started sort of comparing notes like, oh, yeah, like, have you seen The Room? Have you seen like whatever? And he said, have you seen The Secret? And I had not heard of it at that because that was 2008, so it was like pretty new then. <laughs> and uh, Keen could, at the, I mean, at the time, and still, he could just like quote it. He had like parts of it memorized, and he insisted that I need to watch it as soon as possible. <laughs> and and that's friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for for those of you listening who might not have been so lucky to have a friend uh, make you watch the DVD of The Secret. By the way, this did um, start as a movie first, and the best-selling book is actually like a novelization of the movie. Um, but it's it's a self-help book um, that is about the the secret itself. The titular secret is called The Law of Attractions. And um, what that means is that everything you think comes true. I'm going to read a, a quick little quote here. Basically put, the law of attraction says that like attracts like, but we're really talking at a level of thought. So as you think a thought, you are also attracting like thoughts to you. Here are more examples you may have experienced of the law of attraction in your life. Have you ever started to think about something you were not happy about, and the more you thought about it, the worse it seemed? That's because as you think one sustained thought, the law of attraction immediately brings more like thoughts to you. In a matter of minutes, you've gotten so many like unhappy thoughts coming to you that the situation seems to be getting worse. The more you think about it, the more upset you get. Terrible. Apparently, though, um, I don't know, were you going to go on, Renata, or... I can't read any more of that right now. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, though, the, the trick to the secret is that although the universe can listen to and interpret your thoughts, it does not understand the word no or any negative connotations. So if you're thinking, I don't want to be late, the universe only hears that you want to be late even though you are specifically thinking that you do not want that. So the universe, thinking that it's doing you a good deed, makes you late. Yeah, like, um, the secret kind of posits that the universe is basically like a Robin Williams sketch character. Like, just, you know, hilariously misunderstanding your thoughts and, like, presenting you with things that you obviously don't want. And it's hilarious, except that it ruins your life and you have no one to blame but yourself. So I guess the other question is you know pe listeners will be wondering how on earth this was able to garner so many you know millions of uh, adherents and I guess what we have to explain too is that what makes it slightly more plausible for a lot of people is that the, the crucial component of the delay time because <laughs> everyone knows <laughs> no matter what they think 
reality does not express itself instantaneously based on whatever one's thought inner thoughts are. And so Rhonda Byrne has has basically conceived of this very bizarre little conceit where there's a literal six to eight week time frame in which there's a, a delay between what your original thought is and the way that the universe uh, manifests this in a material way. In the movie of The Secret, this is explained by um, footage of a guy looking at a postcard with a picture of an elephant on it, and then immediately an elephant appears in his living room and shits everywhere. And that's, like, hilarious. <laughs> like, obviously that doesn't happen. When you look at postcards, like, those things don't appear in your living room. Ha ha. But they mm-hmm. do appear in your living room six to eight weeks later, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, that's that's just something to to clarify for people. But even the book is not consistent, though, because like it does say that to sort of make it seem slightly more reasonable, I guess. But then the book is full of examples of people like I use the secret to get a parking spot. I use the secret like um, mm-hmm. when I first thing in the morning, like right. All the green lights, for example, when you're stuck in traffic, if you visualize a lot of green lights, you can speed through traffic while everyone else is stuck in traffic. I mean, I guess if you consistently do it, like today, you're really right. booking your green light six weeks. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, and I guess if you start, like after you have a couple days of red lights, you know, if you are consistently thinking green lights, then going forward forever, as long as you're thinking green lights, you're going to get them. You know, I, I don't. I don't know. I I'm I'm not worthy of the secret. Obviously, <laughs> the complexities. Well, you know, in. this this is a trilogy, and we all only read the first book, so maybe we do need mm-hmm. to um, buckle down and read those other two books before we can truly understand the complexities of the universe. So it's worth explaining to people like what the, the, how how this whole thing is is set up. I mean, this lady Rhonda Byrne. She's this platinum bleached blonde woman, and she appears at the beginning of this film, uh, walking through a desert. And she basically assembles this this pseudo documentary with pseudo um, uh, authorities in pseudo science and pseudo philosophy, and on and on and on. And so you have so so there there's this veneer of of authority and and actual kinds of of um, experts in the fields who are talking about this theory and are, are revealing they're democratizing this knowledge because at the beginning of the of the movie you you recognize that wealth is a, is massively concentrated into the hands of a very small select group of people and they're shown you know smoking cigars in back rooms and so what they're trying to do is a is a public service so the secret is a vehicle by which as more and more people recognize that they can influence the universe with their thoughts these kinds of problems of of just hoarding um, wealth and industry and so on um, that's going to actually you know dissipate and it's weird because the start like it seems like almost equally plausible that this could go on to become like a radical socialist text like this is terrible like the one (laughs) percent like have everything but then it's it's like no that's great you just need to do the same stuff that they're doing (laughs) i actually really noticed that throughout the whole thing 
despite like referring to the universe and saying like the universe could be whatever higher power you want it to be they get through almost the entire book without explicitly bringing god into it until the very end when it's like start you know you should always thank your higher powers for your blessings and and say you feel blessed and thank god every day and all of a sudden it's like oh this is what book this was since the very start (laughs) interesting by the way i want to go back really quick to when keen was talking about all the like experts who were assembled um two of the most recognizable of these experts are um dr john gray aka uh, men are from mars women are from venus guy right and uh jack canfield aka chicken soup for the soul guy mm-hmm. so that's that's who we're dealing with that's who knows the secret yeah Everyone knows the secret though albert einstein knew the secret Shakespeare knew the secret. Yeah, so there's this... Okay, so the book itself is packaged. Like, it looks like a pseudo-old-timey document. Like, all the paper, it's not just on white standard paper. It's on this sort of, like, glossy, weird faux parchment. And the cover has, like, a faux wax seal on it. And Mm -hmm. then um, it's... And the the movie did this as well as sort of, like, interstitials between the, like, the, the currently living experts. And the book is just scattered with, like, random quotes from these historical figures that just sort of, like, happen to use the word, like, secret or gratitude. And then it's like, oh, of course, (laughs) Abraham Lincoln knew the secret because he once, like, happened to mention the word secret in a letter. Um, I'm flipping through right now. Let me just see what comes up first in terms of these, like, uh... I just know Albert Einstein did because I wrote a note in all caps that says Albert Einstein knew the secret with six exclamation points. So that that one stuck apparently. Let's see. Oh, I have flipped to Albert Einstein. He said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. That's not the same thing as the secret <laughs> for the record. Oh my gosh. It's like, I, I, if you haven't, read this book it's just really hard for me to describe not that i'm recommending that you go out and get it but it's it's hard to describe what what it is i i i still can't it's a secret yeah i can't get my head around it i would honestly recommend that you watch the movie or at least a chunk of it it is available on youtube um it's so com- I think it's even more comical than the book because it is just these grown ass adults like looking into a camera and saying nonsense totally straight faced. Uh, it's amazing. We'll maybe give you a little sample of that a little bit later. So keep listening. Um, by the way, while, yeah, the- while I'm on this Albert Einstein page, that reminds me another core element of the secret we haven't brought up yet, which is the vision board. Oh mm. my god! And so the idea is um, to. In order to better make the universe manifest your thoughts, it helps to, like, train your thoughts. So you make this vision board of the stuff that you want. Um, one example is if you want a bigger house, you know, you look in real estate listings, find that the exact house you want and put it on your vision board. And then you, um, you're encouraged to start the day looking at this and just thinking about the stuff that you want. Um, another really gross thing is... Uh, 
I think um, you can actually go on the secret website and print this out as a blank check to you from the universe. And then you just fill it in with how much money you want. And then the universe gives you that. Just that's Yeah, all. the whole that's thing is really so, kind of like a personification yeah, of victim blaming. The thing that keeps coming up is when bad things happen, it's because you're not thinking positive thoughts. You're not like literally that's it like you're thinking bad thoughts so bad things are happening and you know the only person you have to blame is you because you're not being positive enough yeah and like in interviews like this book came out around the same time as that um the tsunami in thailand was really devastating um so devastating it got made into a movie about how Owen mcgregor was sad about it and um, they interviewed Rhonda Byrne and said, you know, your book seems to imply that this could only happen to people who, like, had negative thoughts about tsunamis. And she was just like, yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> she didn't even know that? Wow. I she mean, she that? said, I mean, she didn't say yep, but that's a summary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't say yep. <laughs> but she did so, say um, that these tragedies only happen to people who are in the same mental frequency of the event. Right. <laughs> Which is basically, yep. <laughs> and yeah, I guess it's it's just some bizarre coincidence that that women and people of color and everyone, you know, within the third world just happen to have these kinds of strange frequencies that continue to attract all kinds of horrible natural disasters spawned by climate change and so on. Um, but, you know, I, I guess that, uh, that kind of segues into one of the, the most um, prominent critiques of the secret and uh, philosophies of that ilk, which comes from Barbara Ehrenreich. And uh, she kind of came onto this with the exact same problem because she was uh, suffering from... Um, from breast cancer, I believe. Yes. And she went on to the online message boards and was complaining about chemotherapy, about high medical bills, and so on. And she got completely badgered by all of the other participants in the um, online threads for cancer victims and survivors. And she was just so put off by the way that they... Um, I guess instinctively, you know, uh, with this knee-jerk reaction, uh, went against anyone who had any kind of gripe uh, during a time when, you know, it's very appropriate to to complain and to vent and so on. And so there's this kind of cult of of positive thinking that really put her off, and she ended up going into some, you know, deeper uh, relationships between the precariousness that, uh, you know, most people are experiencing um, today and over the past 20, 25 years uh, with the rise of of neoliberalism um, and the way that uh, this kind of positive thinking cult is basically on on the other face of it, as Kate mentioned, it's it's a victim blaming. And so the more that you can individualize um, the kinds of... uh, issues, the social issues, the economic issues, health issues, all of these things that could be ameliorated through building a better society, a more humane and just social order, um, the less resistance and the less public understanding there is for the structural causes behind all of these issues. Right, because um, 
you know, it's one th- when you just sort of talk a little bit about the secret, I think it's kind of easy to be like, what? You know, like, it doesn't sound so bad. Like, what's the harm in just, like, having positive thoughts? Like, that, you know, that's okay. But if you really, like, think about it for, like, 10 seconds, like, the flip side of it is obviously victim blaming, is obviously, like, very pernicious and troubling and self-congratulatory. Plus, there's this whole other added element, because while it is, it can be summed up as just thinking positive thoughts, that's literally all it is. Like, they advocate, like, think positive thoughts, live the life. If you don't want to be in debt anymore, just think you're rich and act like you're rich, and you'll be rich. Like, they add, you know, don't try to save money, don't try to live like a poor person. If you live like a rich person you will get out of debt, which is obviously patently untrue. If you're in lots of debt and you live a lifestyle like you're not in lots of debt, you're going to get further in debt. You're not going to turn into a millionaire overnight because the universe gets confused and thinks that you're actually a millionaire and that Six it needs to Six to eight you weeks, Kate, please. <laughs> you know, and, and it gets, like, worse than that, too, because, uh, like Keen was saying about... Um, medical uh the the woman with cancer like they advocate for oh medicine doesn't do anything all medicine is a placebo think positively and your cancer will go away like don't take medicine don't do chemotherapy don't do whatever the doctors say just if you act like a healthy person you'll be healthy I think at this point we should start our dramatic readings a little bit earlier than normal and maybe just discuss them as we go. Because the more I talk about this, like, I don't even think that we can really convey how truly insane this is until we actually read you more direct, direct quotes from it. Because I think it would be easy to not have read or seen this and think that we were just, like, paraphrasing to make it sound ridiculous. But we are not. Um... And I will just say before we start them, the thing that I kept saying to my roommate as I was reading this is that this is a book that's like 200 pages long, where every other line is a repetition of the line before it. Like, wait until you hear some of the actual text from this. It's like, the universe is like a transmitter. It sends things out to you like a transmitter. The universe is out there getting the things that you want and then sending them back to you like a transmitter. Like, it's... (laughs) bizarre <laughs> yeah yeah um there's some weird subliminal kind of marketing elements there actually it's worth mentioning that this lady it like comes from some kind of uh, uh television production background um and uh yeah so she's a television writer and producer um and and i, I think that those kinds of elements of, of repetition and so on are, are probably um uh, a component of it it's probably very intentional yeah okay so with that in mind um we'll we'll jump into our dramatic readings um this first segment kate and i are going to read and it's explaining to you how the universe does not understand no um the universe is basically like a date rapist it doesn't get no <laughs> it only hears yes so um kate is going to read a list of things that you, you dummy that doesn't know the secret, might think, and I will read how the universe interprets those thoughts. I don't want to spill something on this outfit. I want to spill something on this outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and I 
want to spill more things. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, say extra like liberties with that. Yeah. I don't want a bad haircut. I want bad haircuts. I don't want to be delayed. I want delays. I don't want that person to be rude to me. I want that. <laughs> I can't handle it when the universe adds stuff. It's too funny. I want that person and more people to be rude to me. I don't want the restaurant to give away our table. I want restaurants to give away our tables. I don't want these shoes to hurt. <laughs> I want shoes to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> This is a real book, you guys. Printed on faux parchment paper. <laughs> it's a pirate. <laughs> We're not even halfway through this list, and I'm crying. <laughs> I can't handle all this work. Guys, I can't. Okay, I want more work than <laughs> I want more work than I can handle. I don't want to catch the flu. I want to catch the flu and I want <laughs> and I want to catch more things. Oh, gnarly. <laughs> I don't want to argue. I want more arguing. Don't speak to me like that. I want you to speak to me like that, and I want other people to speak to me like that. Those last two turn it into a kind of, like, weird <laughs> place, a weird discussion between a person and the universe that, you know, I don't necessarily want to get in the middle of their shit. Yeah, um, like I, like I said, it's really, um, it's really uncomfortable to think about, um, at all in any way. So that's how the universe uh, understands your thoughts, because the universe is an idiot. Let's, um, Keen, how about if you do your reading now? Often, when people first hear this part of the secret, they recall events in history where masses of lives were lost, and they find it incomprehensible that so many people could have attracted themselves to the event. By law of attraction, they had to be on the same frequency as the event doesn't necessarily mean that they thought of that exact event, but the frequency of their thoughts matched the frequency of the event. If people believe they can be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they have no control over outside circumstances, those thoughts of fear, separation, and powerlessness, if persistent, can attract them to being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. In other words, she shouldn't have been wearing short shorts. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. This is, I feel, in between the um, excerpts. A good place to say that my favorite thing about The Secret, as I was reading it, is the sheer number of things that <coughs> they purported the universe to be. Because the universe is a mirror. The universe is a genie. Like, every time she would talk about... How, you know, you were putting things out into the universe and how the universe was helping you. She would come up with another random noun to describe the universe. And I'm going to read you the whole list. The universe is a mirror, a genie, a bank, 
a catalog, a masterpiece of abundance, the universe's energy, a live wire, a receiver, a delivery system, a universal supply, an immaculate matrix, and the universe is mm. friendly. And that was just from the point where I started writing them down. <laughs> Yeah. My favorite one is Immaculate Matrix because, like, what does that even mean? Who even knows? <laughs> you know, the rest I... of them, it, it more or less makes sense within, you know, if you are, except that we're talking about the secret, which is nonsense garbage. But Immaculate Matrix is not even a thing. Um, you know, and I, 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 there's just zero recognition. There's, like, no self-awareness of how presumptuous it is to be channeling the actual like intergalactic thoughts and frequencies of the universe for the first time in human history and and why is it like that the universe's responses are so pathological and vindictive it's not even that like you don't want to spill that you want to spill something but you want to continue to spill things forever. And spill <laughs> like, more things. You know, yeah, and, and more people badly to you for longer and longer periods of time. It's just an absurd kind of uh, and vindictive universe that they're portraying. Yeah, like, like I was saying, I think it really, it does portray the universe as kind of like, Either like a like a Robin Williams character just like comically misunderstands you, or mm. or as something like very sinister. It's I, like I can see the sinister, the way that you could get sinister from it. I, I mean, who knows? These people might be like super twisted, but I feel <laughs> like they're too, they're too, they're not smart enough to be that sketchy, you know. Like, I feel like it's just the upfront sketchiness. The, like, oh, you know, like, the universe wants to help you. The universe is filled with positive thoughts. But, you know, sometimes it gets confused because it doesn't understand the word no. So, you know, sometimes you gotta... Oh, like, yeah, I no, like... I, I don't think that Rhonda Byrne thinks the universe is sinister. I just think it's fairly easy to interpret her book as saying so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, you know, ex interpreting it outside of the authorial perspective, it, it's creepy. It makes the universe sound horrible. You know, it makes it sound like bad things happen to people who don't know any better. Because they, because they don't know any better and they caused yes. it to happen to themselves. Yeah. You know, like, oh, sorry that you're dying. It's because no one in the world ever thought before now to explain that when you think negative thoughts you get cancer and die um so i want to read a, one more passage from page six right at the intro of the book um where Rhonda asks why do you think that one percent of the population earns around 96 percent of all the money that's being earned do you think that's an accident it's designed that way they understand something the, they understand the secret and now you are being introduced to the secret so one thing that that you know uh kind of jumps out at me is i'm actually kind of impressed that they quoted piketty and size's data um 
which was presented, which showed that uh, in the wake of the, the 2009 recession, every dollar uh, generated in the U.S. economy um, after the recession had ended from 2009 to, I think, 2012, uh, 95% of all new income went to the top 1%. Um, so they, I mean, they fudged that statistic up a little bit, but in terms of that narrow element of that, that time frame and in the United States, that is correct. It's, um, it's correct. And it's horrifying to a normal person with a normal understanding of like the universe. But this, <laughs> <laughs> this is like celebrating it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I feel like it's taking a tact that more, I don't want to say more thoughtful people. I don't want to condemn the type of people who would buy this book and buy into it. Because there are millions of them and we're living all around them. (laughs) Um, But I feel like it's the sort of thing that, you know, someone like me or you guys who would read that and think like, like you said, oh my God, that's horrible. But very shrewdly here, they're using it as a way to reel in you know, everyone else, the other 99% by saying like, oh, 1% of the population has this wealth, but we know how they got it. And we can help you be the same because we know at heart, it's not that you want the wealth to be distributed. You just want to be one of the wealthy people. (laughs) Right. right, It's like the exact same tactics that the KKK used to get poor white (laughs) people on their side. But just phrased slightly more mystically. And I Actually, think probably about the same amount about of mystically. About the same. I mean, the Grand Wizard right, exactly. metaphysics. Yeah. Expert, <laughs> uh, they're both I mean, one of the dudes is like this, like shaman from like the Matrix Part Three. He's got like these flowing dreads, and and his literal byline is called visionary. Yes. So, like, this is the kind of uh, expert that we're dealing with. Okay, so this also, when, we, when we're talking about how they're portraying inequality, it's worth mentioning that, you know, this isn't some, a bunch of quacks. There's all people like Winfrey who are pretty well respected within the mainstream, who have, you know, brought a lot of people into literature through her book club um, who has interviewed you know presidents so it's not like a completely fringe element here here's Oprah Winfrey who's gone on record in public interviews you know explaining how the secret has been so meaningful to her so if you want to talk about billionaires hawking the secret mm-hmm. um, completely foolish you know people who are are ingenuously you know pretending I don't know how is it that she's so successful and she seems so um, unaffectedly uh, uh, supportive of the secret. How can you be so deluded and also so savvy and entrepreneur? That's, that's another kind of a question that comes to mind. And then it also raises some questions as to what on earth she's doing with all of her charitable um, uh, money when this is her, the mentality that's undergirding all of her, um, her, her spending. I can almost I can almost see where this would make sense to Oprah because you know she grew up so poor and she came from nothing and now she's like literally a billionaire literally one of the most um powerful people in the con- in the world I guess really um and so to read something like this because there's you know nobody else she grew up with had this happen to them there has to be like some reason 
And I guess if you came up with something that said like, oh, it's just because I was so determined and the universe responded to that. Like, I I guess that. Yeah. Because, I mean, th- I don't really have a good explanation for like how Oprah came to be Oprah. You know, just she worked hard and she's very charismatic. I guess that's, I don't know, good for her. So it almost makes it makes more sense to me, I think, that Oprah would believe it than, like, just random people who this has not really worked for yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think, like, in six to eight weeks. And I guess it does. Well, I was going to say, you would think that in six to eight weeks when you don't have a brand new car and $100,000, it would, you know, sink in. But at the same time, I guess they kind of have that built in, like, oh, well... If you stop thinking about it, even for a second, it could ruin everything and the universe mm. will bring negative things to you again. So I guess it, it might be kind of easy for these people if they're, if they're ready to buy in wholeheartedly to say like, oh, well, the other day I had a really bad day and I was sad for a while. And that that's why I guess I didn't get my car and my hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Renata, I think two things. One is we should talk about the electricity quote. Yes, I was just going to get to that. And also we should talk about your experiments in vision boarding, which you shared with a lot of people. (laughs) That's Um, correct. Um, Just about Renata and the secret and vision boarding. I mean, I guess this is (laughs) as good a place to put it as any. Um, (laughs) Um. I just want to say that although Renata is obviously not an actual devotee of The Secret, given that we're on this podcast and we're talking about how terrible it is, um, she talks about The Secret with such frequency (laughs) um, and jokes about it so much that all of our mutual friends make secret jokes constantly without having any other exposure to it, um, to the point where one of my friends the other day was like... I don't even remember who we were talking about. I think, like, she texted me to ask me to send her something. And I was like, oh, I actually just did it. Check your email. And she was like, oh, my God, the secret works. And then immediately said, like, actually, I don't really know anything about the secret. I just know that Renata says the secret works after things like that happen. So now I do it, too. Yeah, that's, like, my favorite joke is, like, whenever, like, anything minorly good happens at all, I just, like, tweet, like, hashtag the secret works. But I, I'm i kind of scared about it. Like, I just keep thinking about, like, the book Mother Night where the guy pretended to be a Nazi, like, because he was a spy, but then the moral of it is just, like, be careful what you pretend to be. And I'm like, am I, like, in too deep now? Am I pretending to, like, the secret so much that I actually do like it? Like, I don't know. It's getting to the point where I might need to do some soul-searching. But it's still so funny to me that I probably won't stop ever, to be honest. Okay, so speaking of why the secret is so funny, this is probably the part of the secret that I number one quote the most and um, what we're going to do, actually, is I'm going to read it, and then um, Keen's going to play an excerpt from the, the movie, because like we were saying, this was a movie first, where she just interviewed all these like crazy people about the secret and then transcribed it, kind of. But as you'll see, sometimes she made some edits to uh, make it sound a little more palatable. Um, either way, it's still hilarious. So, in the book version, um, philosopher Bob Proctor says... If you don't understand the law, that doesn't mean you should reject it. You may not understand electricity, and yet you enjoy the benefits of it. 
I don't know how it works, but I do know this. You can cook a man's dinner with electricity, and you can also cook the man. So, pretty solid. Uh, you can use electricity or the secret to cook dinner or for the death penalty. But let's listen to how he phrased it for the movie. Now, if you don't understand it, doesn't mean you should reject it. You don't understand electricity, probably. First of all, no one even knows what electricity is, and yet you enjoy the benefits of it. Do you know how it works? I don't know how it works, but I do know this, that you can cook a man's dinner with electricity, and you can also cook the man. Okay, so d- did you catch that? In the movie, he says that no one understands electricity. No one. Which I think we all know is false, based on the fact that you are listening to this on an electronic device right now. <laughs> but his exact was, first of all, no one even knows what electricity is. That's even more That's of a... <laughs> I've got one, too, that I wanted to read. Um, which is from the practical section where she talks about, you know, an actual example of how you would use the secret, for example, to lose weight. So I just have a couple key excerpts from this point, from this part, that are pretty fantastic if you know anything about the human body, uh, nutrition, food, weight loss, Uh, So the first thing to know is that if you focus on losing weight, you will attract back having to lose more weight. So get having to lose weight out of your mind. Because, as you recall, the universe doesn't understand negativity. Uh, Anyway, um, it's the very reason why (laughs) why diets don't work. Because you are focused on losing weight, you must attract back continually having to lose weight. The second thing to know is that the condition of being overweight was created through your thought to it. To put it in the most basic terms, if someone is overweight, it came from thinking fat thoughts. Whether that person was aware of it or not, a person cannot think thin thoughts and be fat. It completely defies the law of attraction. Whether people have been told that they have a slow thyroid, slow metabolism, or their body size is hereditary, these are all disguises for thinking fat thoughts. (laughs) If you accept any of those conditions as applicable to you and you believe it, it must become your experience and you will continue to be overweight. The most common thought that people hold, and I held it too, is that food was responsible for my weight gain, that a belief... That is a belief that does not serve you, and in my mind, it is now complete balderdash. Food is not responsible for putting on weight. It is your thought that food is responsible for putting on weight that actually has food put on weight. Remember, thoughts are the primary cause of everything, and the rest is effects from those thoughts. Think perfect thoughts, and the result must be perfect weight. This is an actual book that exists (laughs) in the world. On faux parchment paper, so you know you should take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't, I guess I, I, I haven't, uh, until that quote, I haven't seen The Secret expressed in such a nihilistic way. Like, <laughs> that's like the, the, that's like the most extreme position I've heard so far. But I mean, this, the skepticism towards 
anything real in the world is like encapsulated right there. There's no medicine. The basic processes of calorie consumption have nothing to do with it. You know, thyroids have no effect. I mean, you just simply, it's like pure solipsism. Yeah, I, I, I've, I guess, you know, it's one thing to say you don't know how electricity works okay forget that you know in 1820 they discovered electromagnetism whatever but like but like the food thing everyone understands that you know you don't need some kind of specialized knowledge of this wait you guys i just realized um that there's no heaven because too many people have been imagining there's no heaven (laughs) (laughs) that is fucking terrible news we're going to have to try to counteract that <laughs> <Yeah>. right away. <laughs> so it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned this because like in my childhood, <laughs> I constantly came across like evangelical Christians. And there's a kind of a subset of Christianity which is very very similar to this. You know, you see this professed a lot in in the mega churches, which is that, you know, God wants you to, to prosper. It's not that you know the rich man has a harder time getting into heaven as uh, as as uh, you know somebody trying to a camel fitting through the eye of a needle. It's that if you tithe to X or Y church, you will receive that literal amount tenfold in your bank account. So it's like this uh, this kind of very similar strain of the secret. I know a lot of pastors who say, "Oh, well, if you're missing your car keys, just pray to Jesus, and then it'll come to you." So. Oh, that's all to say that there is kind of a ripe uh, environment in which this secret is now deposited, which is masked in a kind of a, a secular um, religion for narcissists. But yeah, uh, you know, that's that's another component to it is that it's 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 being pushed into a culture that's already very very uh, uh, um, ready and receptive towards this kind of a message. They've been primed. Right, and um, in her in her book, Bright Sided, um, Barbara Ehrenreich also links all of this to um, America's Americans' belief in um, upward mobility and like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and like all that nonsense. Like, it all ties together and brings us here to the secret. Uh. It did make me laugh. Um, that you were talking about the church because there definitely is a part in the book where Jack Canfield talks about how Jesus was a millionaire. And <laughs> I, who was raised Catholic and went to catechism, reli- well, religiously, ah, got it, um, went to catechism classes until I was 16 years old. Pretty sure that I don't remember that part of the Bible where Jesus was a millionaire. But according well, to Jack Canfield, I mean, what, what's the exchange rate for pieces of silver to modern day American dollars? Yeah. No one knows. No one knows. <laughs> but we're not a. You have to go back to the vision board because I mean, the real question is: is that it's not fringe loonies who are reading this and imbibing the values? The part of the reason why I kept insisting that you look into it is because. There was a library for college-educated development workers and aspiring development workers in which at least an entire shelf was dedicated to used copies of The Secret. Yeah, okay, so the craziest thing, um, I'll tell this real quick and then um, we're going to move on to our would-you-rathers. But um, So yeah, so Keenan and I met in the Peace Corps and... um, 
Like, Keen's, there was a, a Peace Corps lending library where you could share books, um, which is, if you'll recall from episode one, where I first read Twilight, um, that, that library also had the secret. And there were definitely people in our group who, like, believed it, like, were in deep with it. And um, we had a Peace Corps publication, and I wrote an article for it about where I, um, you know, I said that I would try out the secret and report on it, and I made this, like, little vision board, and I I definitely remember I put Diet Dr. Pepper on it, because um, that's my favorite soda, and they don't have it in the Dominican Republic, and just, like, some other dumb stuff, and uh, it didn't work, probably because I have a shitty attitude, though, but it, I wrote this, like, <laughs> article about it, and it was mostly just, like, a joke, but then people, I got some kind of, like, talk back from other volunteers about it who were like, you know, you shouldn't make fun of the secret, like, it works, and I was like, oh, no, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I don't remember that, and, uh, one girl was like, yeah, like, um, you like, this morning, I was hungry, and I thought that I wished I had some fruit, and then a guy came by on a fruit cart, so the secret works, and I was like, A, there's a six to eight week time delay. And, <laughs> and B, like, there are infinity fruit cards in this country. Like, you didn't make that happen with your brain. Like, if somebody had come by and it was, like, a mac and cheese food truck, then it'd be like, oh, maybe the secret does work. Like, I can't explain that any other way. <laughs> yeah. But... So, one is I would like to register my deep resentment toward not being invited onto the podcast dealing with the Twilight series. <laughs> and I, I did mention you, two, though. You'll, you'll hear. Yeah. yeah. And uh, two, I guess, you know, this is a really terrifying realization for somebody like me or Renata. Here we are in a developing country tasked ostensibly with assisting people who are living in poverty and trying to build capacity in a developing country. And these are all college-educated, you know, liberal-minded um, people with an international outlook. And if this is what's informing their reality, their understanding of how the world works, of how poverty is manifested, um, then that's a really, really unsettling uh, kind of a, a, a thing to keep in mind when, when this is what, you know, our, our college-educated citizenry is thinking about when they're in the field trying to assist with, with poverty alleviation efforts. Yeah, it's, it's super fucked up for all the reasons that we've been talking about for, like, the last 45 minutes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not just Oprah. There's, there are people in this world. All right, let's let's move on now to Would You Rather. Um, would you rather cook a man's dinner or cook a man? Hmm. <laughs> you can choose the man, by the way. <laughs> well, as a misandrist, <laughs> I feel as though I would rather cook a man than cook a man's dinner. I'm my own woman. I make dinner for myself. I don't make dinner for any men. Hmm. No, I, I respect that. Um, <laughs> I, as a as a death penalty abolitionist, I will have to go and and be the submissive um, uh, female counterpart and cook the man's dinner. Plus, plus, you're a good cook. I'm also, a good cook. So. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm torn because. Um, I, I do definitely sympathize with Kate's view, but like Keen, I am also a death penalty abolitionist. But 
I'm not necessarily thinking maybe. death penalty here. I'm just thinking flat out murder, <laughs> which I feel like, you know, that, that that's a better murder is better. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's like a self-defense cooking situation. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, some kind of, like, cartoonish scenario where, like, he is, like, chasing me with a knife. And then, actually, this happens in the movie uh, Sleepaway Camp. He's, like, chasing me, but we're in the kitchen. And then he, like, falls into a pot of boiling water. um, And the man who's chasing me is Carl Rove. And that's the scenario (laughs) that I choose. (laughs) Okay, so in that con- in th- in those circumstances, you'll cook the man. Correct. Okay. Yeah, uh, I th- I think we've all come up with reasonable answers for this one. Um, next up, by the way, we didn't really talk about this much, so we'll get into it briefly with Would You Rather. There's a whole section about how to use the secret for dating, such as one woman who's really upset she was single, and then she realized it was because she was sleeping in the middle of the bed, and so the universe <laughs> assumed that she wanted to keep sleeping in the middle and not have to share the bed. Um, so with that in mind, would you rather find your future life partner through uh, diligent use of the secret or through christianmingle.com? Well, this is difficult as I'm not a Christian. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I, I, I feel like I don't know, do 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 they let gay people on Christian mingle? Probably I, not. I, <laughs> I, they don't even let you guys I, on eHarmony. Right? And to be honest, they probably don't let gay people use the secret either. <laughs> I might just be SOL and Wait, no, Kate. Uh, they do, and I have a story. I'll tell you if there's something <laughs> It's included in the movie. I don't think it's in the book. But, so I assume that you're allowed to use the secret. Continue. Uh, right, that I guess by default I'll Assume use that you're able secret. to use both. <laughs> this is just, like, fundamentally a tough question. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I Would you rather doesn't always come easy. I know, I know. Gosh, if only we could be back with, would you rather date a vampire or date a Dracula? <laughs> well, um, Kate, with the secret, you could summon a Dracula to you to date or vampire. It's true. Um, I'm going right, to go Kate, with the you... secret because as terrible as the secret is and as gross as it is, I would rather be single than use ChristianMingle.com. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go without even any hesitation to christianmingle.com. And in fact, I'm going to do that after the program. (laughs) Um, By the way, this program was brought to you today by christianmingle.com, where where you can find your soulmate, unless you're gay, christianmingle.com. In six to eight weeks, and check in the mail. No, uh, obviously, I'm going to go with christianmingle.com because there's a, a guarantee that I will find somebody. And I think as an avowed atheist, it would almost be like a fun challenge to meet a christianmingle.com person and somehow seduce them <laughs> into uh, giving up their faith. I think that could be like a really f- a fun kind of a challenge. So um, the secret we know is, is BS. You can't rely on it for actually finding a life partner. But you know that Christian Mingle actually does do that. So why not? Again, brought to you by ChristianMingle.com. Um, I, 
I would also use Christian Mingle, but just because um, for me, like I would, I would be too upset to use the secret to summon my life partner to me because Mark Ruffalo's marriage seems really happy, and it would be really <laughs> wrong of me to break it up with the secret. Although I could because it's so powerful. So um, I will take the hit to, you know, I mean they have children. We'll keep them together with the secret, and See, I'll I'll find some out. Christian dude and ChristianMingle.com, I guess. That's why it works out to me, because Anne-Marie Duff is married to James McAvoy, who's uh, pretty easy on the eyes, so I'd be okay if both of them and their baby showed up. So, you know, really, I gotta go with The Secret. (laughs) The Secret, bringing you polyamorous threesomes since 2006. (laughs) All right, last up. Would you rather choose to believe that our economy is fundamentally broken, or choose to believe that all it takes to become wealthy is to stare at a fake check every day? Uh, easily that the economy is broken because I already do believe that <laughs> and I already don't believe in staring at a fake check every day. So that was a no-brainer. Um, I will have to go, go ahead and say choose that our economy, choose to believe that our economy is broken as well. Um, although I would register my complaint that the economy is working exactly the way that it should in that under... Uh, state capitalism, you're going to have elites who uh, benefit tremendously from downturns and upturns, and that uh, the current kind of stagnation in uh, wages and living standards for the vast majority of the public is um, actually a feature, a defining feature of the economy, not an indication that it's broken. Hmm. All right. I'm going to choose to, uh, I'm going to believe in the fake check, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I, uh, I want to be rich. I've got a cat to support. Um, my, my job's fine, but if I can stare at this fake check and it's gonna, like, deposit a million dollars, like, you guys are idiots, is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and with that, let's, let's move on to Brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers. With that in mind, uh, let's let's move on to readers' advisory and suggest some things to um, read uh, instead of or in addition to Twilight. And I'd like to just start oh. and say um, I'm a public librarian, and like almost every day, people ask me for self help books, and I find it really uncomfortable always because I'm like, like, what do you need help with? And so <laughs> I have to like have this like awkward sort of. Um, like, reference interview, and, like, a lot of the times, actually, um, once I get into it, they're like, oh, wait, like, where are your books about, like, bipolar disorder? I'm like, oh, you mean, like, mental health books, like, and to me, like, when I hear self-help, I think, like, The Secret, like, Power of Positive Thinking, but apparently a lot of people, um, like, a lot of people want, like, the Alcoholics Anonymous book for self-help, or they want, um, yeah, different, like, medical books. Yeah, I mean, speaking as someone who works in the mental health field, um, all of those 12-step sort of programs are referred to as self-help and a lot of other programs that are about, um, you know, finding your own resources, working on self-care and things like that are referred to colloquially colloquially as self-help. So I can see where the the overlap and the problems are. Mm, Good to know. Um, that That in mind, like what I personally would recommend to you because like um, you know, th- things like The Secret and stuff like that, I don't find them helpful to me. Um, I find them gross. But um, 
and also I'm not religious, like religious texts don't necessarily play that role for me. But what book I will say um, does provide really sound life advice is Work In It by RuPaul. I would <laughs> highly recommend that to anyone who's like feeling down, um, just struggling in any way. Um, RuPaul will help you out. RuPaul, like, as much as I love RuPaul, though, I'm pretty sure he does believe in the secret. Like, he never, like, says it outright, but he definitely does really like, like, Eckhart Tolle and the power of now. But uh, RuPaul phrases it way better, and it doesn't sound crazy. It sounds great. So I'd recommend that. I was also trying to go down the self-help route, or a similar thing to self-help, in recommending books for this. And I honestly, I only have ever read or own one self-help-esque book and it's How to Survive a Horror Movie by Seth Graham Smith which I do 100% recommend. It has really good tips about how to survive several different types of horror movies and if unlike me you haven't watched like every horror movie ever created including all of the crappy ones on Netflix these are tips that you might need if you ever find yourself stuck in a horror movie. So 100% recommend this one, guys. And um, in addition to the uh, Barbara Ehrenreich recommendation, which is a, a, a very uh, vocal um, broadside against the power of positive thinking uh, um, and the whole ideology that's sprung up um, in this kind of... Uh, uh, precarious uh, um, uh, existence in society. I would recommend that when anyone is facing a challenge or a problem, that they try not to internalize it as some kind of an individual problem, um, because you know, in many ca cases, a lot of these challenges are often too big for one person to face individually. And so I recommend, um, you know, challenging these kinds of issues collectively and, and working with, uh, you know, people in your community and, uh, you know, your family and so on to try to, uh, you know, build collective power to push back against some of the, um, the, the, the problems that, that you're facing. On that note, um, I would also recommend the advice column, Dear Sugar on the Rumpus which is collected in a book called Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Um, she's really good at taking advice column questions and just kind of cutting through the bullshit. And um, I'd I recommend, recommend um, a couple advice column-wise. CaptainAwkward.com. Uh, sometimes hit or miss, but there's also a really varied user base. It's one of the few places on the internet I'd recommend to read the comments because if um, Jennifer, Captain Awkward's advice doesn't sit well with you, usually there's some politely dissenting and alternative opinions in the comments that are equally helpful. And um, on the more silly side of things, uh, I'd recommend Invasion of the Body Snatchers, both the 1956 original and the 1978 remake with uh, Jeff Goldblum and Donald Sutherland. Because if you really want to see a world where, like, everything is good and everyone's at an even keel and, you know, peace and prosperity, like, you just sit with one of those pods, man, and let it take you over. And, you know, it's like a key to a new life and much easier than this like six to eight week turnaround bullshit 
On that note, I would also recommend if you're feeling like super powerless and you want to take control of your universe, uh, maybe get a coloring book. Maybe just color that for a while. It's kind of soothing. Um, you're in control of what colors you use. You can use any one you want. Um, that might help. Um, all right, let's move on now to recommend our candy pairing, where um, much like at a fancy restaurant, they'll recommend a wine to pair with your dinner. We're going to recommend a candy to pair with this book. And I'm going to recommend a poisoned apple. Um, it seems healthy outwardly, but it's actually toxic, and it's given to you by a witch. Don't trust her. <laughs> uh, in a similar vein, I'm going to recommend those protein bars and not like real protein bars but those one that they those ones they wrap up in like the fancy bright colored wrappers and you look at the nutrition information and there's actually more sugar and crap in it than there is in a candy bar um you know so it's like pretending to be healthy but it's really full of you know total crap and if you feel bad after you eat it they're gonna blame it on something else and um i'm going to compare the secret to the Willy Wonka chewing gum um, <laughs> because it tastes like basically anything that your mind wills it to. Um, the strawberries take, taste like strawberries, the snozberries taste like snozberries, and so on. All right. Um, now we'll um, move on and state the moral of the story, um, which is pretty easy in this case because the secret is just like 200 pages of morals, like nothing but. Um, but for me, if I had to sum it up, I'd say the moral of the secret is that poor people deserve to be poor because of their terrible attitudes. I would sum it up as if bad things happen to you, like cancer or bankruptcy, pretend that they didn't and they'll probably go away. Definitely go away. And as an activist, um, <laughs> I would say that the moral of the story is that Anytime that you oppose something bad, you're actually creating more of it, which is why the anti-war movement has resulted in more war, and the anti-hunger <laughs> movement has resulted in more hunger. So we need to be pro-food from here on out, everyone. So uh, fellow activists, let's, let's get on the pro-food bandwagon. Excellent. Um, speaking of pro-food, it's time now for Duarte's Corner. <laughs> Um, for those of you who don't know, Duarte's my cat. He has a lot of opinions about books, and now he's going to share his thoughts on The Secret. Thank you, Duarte. I think that was really well said. I think we can all take a lot from that. Seriously. God, he's so wise. So wise. <laughs> and succinct. <laughs> yeah. Really cuts to the heart of it, even though he's declawed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now, um, do any humans have any closing thoughts they'd like to share about The Secret? Nope. <laughs> yeah, we, we did a pretty good job. All right, well, um, then I would like to thank Keen so much for coming to join us. Um, Keen, would you like to um, tell anything to our audience? Uh, well, it was a pleasure to be on the program with you all. Um, I focus a lot on the media and the way that the media oftentimes um, portrays questions of, the, of war, of uh, the economy, and other things in a very uh, manipulative fashion, and how to cut through that. 
uh, through critical reading. So if people are interested, uh, they can uh, um, connect with me on Twitter. My handle is Keen, K-E-A-N-E, bot, B-H-A-T-T. All right. Well, um, you can follow the podcast collectively on Twitter at Worst Bestseller. No S at the end because of Twitter's rules. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Renata Snacks. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at 14across. Um, our next episode will be um, Monday, October 13th. We'll be reading I Didn't Come Here to Make Friends, Confessions of a Reality Show Villain by Courtney Robertson. Um, I don't really recommend that you read it in advance. Just let, let us tell you about it. Um, if you're listening to this and right now, thank you so much for listening to it. Um, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a review on iTunes. I know that you will because that's on my vision board. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.